The prophet Ezekiel was given a very difficult job by the Lord. He was tasked with delivering a message to the Israelites who had been exiled to Babylon, you know, kicked out of their homeland and driven to a foreign place. And it was a challenging message that would likely prove unpopular. And the message was that they must repent of their sins, of all the ways they were intentionally breaking God's commandments if they ever wanted to return home. The Lord told Ezekiel that he must tell the people the hard truth about their sinful behavior, or he himself would be judged responsible for their deaths when judgment came. Now this task of telling people the truth they need to hear, but don't want to hear, very difficult. But as the Lord pointed out to Ezekiel, we have a duty to do this, or we may be held responsible for a sin of omission, of not doing something that we were obligated to do. Now, this is almost never easy. Thankfully, uh, Jesus has given us some very good guidance on how to confront people with the truth that they need to, but don't want to hear. First of all, we need to keep in mind that everything has to be motivated by charity. You know, first, foremost, out of love for the person. Uh, when we confront someone about what we perceive as dangerous behavior or sin on their part, we've got to make sure we examine our own motives for desiring to confront them. As Paul wrote, quoting Jesus, we must love our neighbor as ourselves and remember that love does no evil to the neighbor. The first step, then, is to avoid the temptation to talk about a person's faults to other people. You know, if someone's hurt us or done something wrong, we often want to go to our friends first and gossip or engage in passive-aggressive behavior, which are actions that are really not done out of charity. Uh, these actions damage a person's public reputation. It's not good. Instead, Jesus explains, we ought to begin by talking directly to the one who has harmed us or who has sinned in some manner. Even if they haven't directly harmed us, if we see that they're sinning in some way, uh, they're doing something, at least they're doing some action that we know is morally wrong, right? We begin uh, by talking to them directly, one-on-one. -on -one. That's extremely hard to do. But, of course, it does have the benefit of protecting the person's reputation and of helping that person change their ways. Now, they might not listen. Of course, they might not listen. Uh, in that case, Jesus tells us we should find two or three witnesses who can back us up as we confront the person again. Now, this is good because it still protects the person's reputation. You know, we're not announcing their faults and failures to everyone, just a few people who can help. And it shows the person that it's not just, you know, my problem. It's not just our problem. That other people see it too. And it also gives us another chance to check our own motives. You know, if we can't find anyone who agrees with us that there's a problem, um, well, 
maybe we're the ones who are wrong and maybe we should just keep quiet unless it's some, you know, clear moral teaching of the church that they're violating. Um, but if the person doesn't respond to this group confrontation, well, Jesus then tells us we are to treat them as Gentiles or tax collectors. You know, people, the Jewish disciples, would have seen as sinners, as outcasts from the community. We can then walk away from them a bit. Now, that sounds harsh, but do remember that Jesus treated sinners with compassion. You know, he still reached out to tax collectors and Gentiles. Um, after all, Matthew, the author of our gospel, was a tax collector, and Jesus certainly was friendly to him. But if they don't respond to a group confrontation, we don't have to keep uh, hounding them. We have done our part. The church imitating Christ uh, is thus called to pray for these people. You know, if they refuse even this group confrontation with the church and with us, uh, well, we pray for the person and continue to be present to them, hoping if they want to come back, they have the opportunity to repent, to seek reconciliation, uh, both in the sacrament of confession and in the relationships that were damaged by whatever sin or behavior they, they were committing. Now, of course, we don't want to go around pointing out everyone's faults, even if we do follow the, these steps described in the gospel. Not everything needs to be pointed out, but... If we have a well-formed conscience, we know what the church teaches, we know what's right and wrong, then our consciences are going to tell us sometimes something really does need to be said. And while this applies to all of the commandments and moral issues, a few common examples. You know, on a national level, you know, I can think of Politicians who contradict the church's teachings on life, for example, or marriage, uh, or our family and friends who um, maybe they're pro-choice, very publicly pro-choice, or maybe they you know, disagree with the church's teachings on um, marriage, whatever. Uh, or... I think, too, for another example, like kids, especially girls, it can be very cruel when it comes to gossip about one another. And so, like girls, sometimes you're called to stand up for the classmate who's being talked about in mean ways, right? Confront those people who are gossiping. It can be as simple as saying to the one who's gossiping, you know, it's not right to talk about others like that. I mean, would you like it if others talked about you in ways that were that were false or unnecessary? Right? Or another example, even more serious, I think, can be found in situations involving addiction. This could go with porn, uh, right? If someone has a problem with that, maybe confront them with it, help them. Or drugs, especially alcohol. Alcohol, you know, can rule can come to rule the addict's whole life. Job performance can suffer. The person may drive under the influence, putting other people and their families at risk on the highway. Family members can become alienated. A person's health will suffer. 
children of the addict can become neglected. As addiction worsens, the situation becomes more and more dangerous for more and more people. And eventually, I would hope, a family member would have the courage to confront such a person individually about getting help. And if they don't listen, or maybe like an intervention of some kind, maybe in order with a group, all of it motivated out of love for the person, not hate, but love. And if treatment is still not accepted, well, sometimes authorities uh, have to become involved. Or in the end, you know, we've done all we can. They could step back a bit, but always be ready to jump back in and help if the person changes their heart and their ways. So as Christians motivated by love, you know, we sometimes realize a truth needs to be told. Despite how difficult and risky it might be for us, but at times we really do have an obligation to say something. So let us pray that we may receive the gift of counsel from the Holy Spirit to, to know when we have a duty to speak up and when that duty comes that we'll have the fortitude to say in prudence and, and in out, totally out of love what needs to be said for the greater good and holiness of all. Amen.